Hello there, it's Darren Krakowiak here for episode 172 of Commercial Real Estate Leadership. Now, usually we play the music, the intro, before I tell you what the number episode is, but I'm doing it a little bit differently today because today's episode is a recording of a recent interview that I did where I was being interviewed by Raphael Collazo of the Commercial Real Estate Meetup. That's one of the pieces of content that he puts out every week. He puts out so much stuff. And we were having a conversation around what needs to happen to succeed in 2024 if you're a commercial real estate agent or broker. And look, I know we're already a couple of weeks, a few weeks into 2024, but I thought that some of the things that we discussed was definitely worth sharing with you as well. So do excuse the fact that there's a couple of references to end of the year next year, but everything we talk about is definitely relevant for you. So on the other side of the intro... I'll hand it over to Raphael and he'll be talking to me about commercial real estate success in 2024. This is Commercial Real Estate Leadership with Darren Prokofiak. We have a, a range of different people who listen to the podcast, you know, as far as the demographics for the podcast, we tend to skew somewhat younger, you know, in the 28 to 34 range is kind of the, the the highest demographic. And then it starts to get into the 34 to 44 range. So there are some people who are kind of newer in their career and then there's people who are more established. So there's a two-part question that I have for you. The first part of that question is related to the newer agents, those that are like we had described a couple of years in the business, maybe they just started, you know, 2022, you know, they're kind of in the tail end of this COVID, you know, crazy cycle that we had where everything was just kind of flying off the shelf. So it's already kind of hard to, to navigate those waters. I guess, what are some of the things that you would recommend that they do, some steps they can take to set themselves up for a great 2024? And then we'll we'll dive into the more established professionals after that. Yeah. So I guess start to build your pipeline now is probably the sort of core thing to do, to realize that the year that you have in 2024 is somewhat determined now. So even if people, and you know, in the chat, there are a few questions coming in about, you know, people wanting to wait and so forth. Well, you can still have conversations with people. If people are telling you that now's the not the right time, well, let's get ourselves a pipeline of at least meetings to do in the first couple of months of 2024. A good acronym that I learned recently is BAMFAM. BAMFAM is book a meeting from a meeting. So whenever you're speaking to someone and they say to you, oh, yep, we'll we'll talk about that later, pin them down to a time and a date and then secure the next meeting because that is the best way for you to continue that conversation as opposed to be in some no man's land where you're just chasing each other and trying to lock people in. Book, book a meeting from a meeting is always a good thing to do for moving transactions forward, but also even in this earlier stage when you're just building pipeline. So what else would I say for those people? Probably content is something that you can be working on at any time. You know, expand while others are contracting, right? So I think a lot of people will see now's just not a good time. I'm just going to come back in 2024. 2023 is over, right? Well, it's not over. And while it might be too late to run a whole process and uh, settle a property between now and the end of the year that you haven't started. It's certainly not too late to start building up your personal brand and to do the work that's going to get you recognized as the, you know, the go-to sort of trusted voice in your market. So uh, a lot of our older friends in the different cohort perhaps aren't as uh, interested or capable in that area, but you can do that not only on LinkedIn, but also, you know, on Instagram and even on TikTok. 
I think Instagram's probably the one where I'm seeing one of my clients in particular is doing a really great job on Instagram with building up his personal brand. He's got some videos that have gotten like a million views. So doing really, really well. So I reckon Instagram's possibly an undertapped resource for people in commercial real estate. Again, you look at people in residential, they do really, really well um, in Instagram and Instagram is no longer for kids, right? It's a lot of the demographic is of people that we want to be talking to are, are definitely on Instagram. The other one, I guess, is just all of this AI stuff, right? And you are probably better placed to understand how to use all that stuff if you are in a younger cohort than you are in an older cohort. And if you are younger, my advice would be don't be a cheapskate when it comes to chat GPT. Pay the $20 a month and get the plus version. Because when you've got the plus version, you can start using all of the features that come with chat GPT in terms of setting it to always talk in your voice. You can create your own GPTs that are specifically for different types of functions. So you just set it up once and then you know, as an example, you might say that this GPT, which is my own personal GPT, is for industrial listings in a certain area. You put in in a PDF like 10 examples of how you want it to sound. And you say, whenever I type in the particulars of a property, I want you to reproduce an online advertisement in the format that I've taught you. And then boom, it'll do it, right? So these are all of these sales, administrative marketing tasks that need to be done, but they can be done super fast. If you believe that your time is worth more than 50 cents an hour, then definitely you should invest in something that can save you probably 40 hours a month. And that would be ChatGPT+. So that's, that's a few things. Is that... Yeah, that's that's amazing, and and yeah, oh, absolutely, and they're super actionable too. And, and and on the on the content side, I know you do a phenomenal job on the content front on a variety of different platforms. And you know, I I even in my local market, I'm I'm big into YouTube, I'm big into LinkedIn, I've been in a lot of other you know social platforms, and it's already started to bear fruit. Granted, it's been a three to four year process, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that any type of content creation is going to bear fruit in two months, three months, five months. But you know, I don't think it's ever a bad idea. To begin the process of creating and establishing yourself as a thought leader in in some capacity, and so you know, I appreciate you sharing that content, you know, generation idea. And ChatGPT, I've used it many times, where it's like, come up with ten or fifteen ideas for content for commercial real estate, and it'll pull up all these different ideas because that's another pe- thing that a lot of people you know have issues with, is they say, oh, I can't come up, I don't know what to come up with as far as content, but there's different ways that you can augment AI to help you with the process. So. Yeah, and you've, you've got to learn how to use ChatGPT properly, right? So I think a lot of the, the sort of news about it is, oh, it, it, it got this wrong, so therefore it's no good. Well, it's probably not the best uh, place to get historical facts, perhaps, but it is like a very good place to generate ideas. Like its language is actually quite good, but it's only as good as the prompts that you give it. The reason why I think a lot of the stuff that ChatGPT produces is quite like it sounds a little bit spammy when it's written. That's because a lot of people write with spam language, right? So all that ChatGPT can learn is what's out there on the internet, what's published, and it just takes that and goes, this is what typically one would write when you're writing a LinkedIn post, when you're writing an online listing, and you know when you're doing whatever. So what we need to do is then tell ChatGPT, this is best practice, this is the tone of voice, this is the structure, this is the type of language that I would like you to reference when you are creating this piece of content for me. And then it will 
take the instructions that you've given it along with what it already knows from being this huge, I guess, language model, and it will come up with something that is better than what it would come up with if you just asked it a basic question. And this is all about communication as well, right? So Mm -hmm. your ability to speak to chat GPT, even though it is a, a bot essentially, will actually improve your ability to communicate with people. So the better that you can get ChatGPT to produce what you want, that shows that you're a good communicator, which means that you'll also be able to hopefully, you know, without sounding kind of like you're just using people, you'll be able to get people to do what you want because you'll be communicating clearly and in a way which helps people understand what you're looking for. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Great advice. So the kind of the, the second part to this question is, you know, there's another section of our our audience as well that are much more established oh, yes. in their career. So for those individuals who are individual performers and they, they're performing at a high level, maybe the last few years have been the best years that they've ever had. And now they've kind of hit a lull. So, you know, for those individuals and also kind of your target audience, the people that you work with the most, the the leaders of different organizations within the commercial real estate. Maybe they have their own team or maybe they run their own individual organization and they're trying to navigate the murky waters that we're currently in. What are some of the steps that they can take today and going forward to make sure that they set themselves up for a great 2424 and beyond? It's probably about their leadership because you know there's there's four ways that you can kind of create leverage that you can produce more than just you're capable of producing in one day. And it's either through money, it's either through people, it's through technology, or it's through content. And the most accessible way for us in commercial real estate, and still probably the one where we can actually create the most things to happen, is by hiring people who can help us produce more. And if we think about the three sort of things that we're doing in commercial real estate, we're generating leads, we're then converting those leads into revenue, and then we're also trying to create some sort of leverage or or scale through processes, through systems, or through people. And you've got to be a good leader if you want good people to work for you. So I think uh, understanding what is your zone of genius, so what is it that uh, you are good at, that you enjoy doing, and that you can get paid the most to do, understanding what your effective hourly rate is. So if you can produce $500,000 in a year, your effective hourly rate is $250 an hour. So it's just your annual income divided by 2000 Well, if you're spending your time doing $20, $50, even uh, $75 an hour tasks, you're effectively taking away time for you to be able to continue growing your income. So I think a lot of people feel like, well, I can just do it myself. I'm better off doing it myself. No one can do it better than me. If you want something done properly, do it yourself. All of these kind of beliefs that people have, that's stopping you from making more money. So if if making more money is what is important and to boil it down, it is pretty important for a lot of commercial real estate agents and brokers. And I know we make money to do things with, whether it support our family, support important causes, to make an impact in the world, to live a better life. But if that's part of our goals, then we need to be willing to give up some of that control and to bring other people in so that we can actually produce more because there's always going to be a limit on the amount that you can produce on your own. It it might be one or $2 million, but you will reach a limit unless you start to bring in good people who can help you 
create more of that leverage. And the people that you attract will be a reflection of you. And the people that you retain will be a reflection of you. So I think the best thing that you could do based on your question, which was a high performer who's producing a lot, what can they do? Well, it's to work on themselves, to work on their leadership, to look at their blind spots. So have a think about, you know, what what is it that someone would say about me over a couple of drinks when they didn't think I was listening when they were talking about their boss? What would they say? What would they say if the company did an anonymous survey, an engagement survey or a 360, and they were asked, now, what, what would I like to see my boss do less of? What do I want my boss to stop doing? Those are the real big levers for you to, to, to sort of activate for improvement. A lot of people say, you know, you've got to focus on your strengths, but also you've got to recognize, are there any weaknesses which are actually detracting from your ability to produce more? And most of us have those. The easier way to learn them is through self-reflection and hopefully mitigating them before they impact your ability to attract and retain good people. Yeah, no, and I think it's a common trait, you know, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who are high performers in any industry, they got that way because they are somewhat of A-type personalities. They they're very hard charging, they like to get the, some cert, certain things done the right way, and it, there is a hurdle sometimes that's that, you know, you've done a certain thing a certain way for a long period of time, you've been very successful at it. But in order to reach the next level, you have to be able to link, relinquish control, which for, again, is not an easy thing to do, especially when, especially in the early stages of that relinquishment of control, because it requires a lot of effort for you to be able to sit down with someone to train them. And most of the time, they're not going to be able to do it as well as you, at least starting out and maybe ever. But it does. But at the end of the day, if you're able to bridge that divide and at least get them close enough to where they can do the task competently, now you free yourself up to be able to do uh, other things that are much more valuable to helping helping you grow your business over time. So great yeah. insight. I really appreciate that. So, yeah. you know, the, I think good processes documented, they're simplified, and then they're followed, right? That's all you need to do. You just need to document what it is that you're doing, simplify it so it's easy for someone else to pick up and do, and then you need to make sure that the other person is doing it. And once you've done those three things, then your job is to see this again sounds a little bit bad, but it's just the way it is. What's the lowest amount of money that I could pay for this to be done to the required standard? And that's actually a good thing for your people because you're constantly looking to elevate people's roles. You're looking to uh, have people do more important, strategic, client-facing, revenue-generating tasks. So I guess another trend that is important, Raphael, is you know the use of virtual assistants, right? So- I'm guessing you probably use a virtual assistant. I use a virtual assistant. A few of my clients do, but still there is a lot of resistance to using virtual assistants for whatever reason that is. And there's, you know, a whole list of reasons, beliefs that people have about, you know, is it um, ethical to hire someone, you know, in a in a lower cost economy to do things that I would hire someone in my own country for this amount? It's totally ethical. It's totally Fine. In fact, you can make it more ethical by the way that you work with that person by being a great boss by, you know, you can choose to pay extra if you want to. And that's a huge difference for that person. So I would add that, you know, looking to always elevate people's roles and to make sure that we're not overpaying for certain tasks. Because ultimately, if you pay someone, you know, let's call it $50 an hour, $100,000 a year, but you've got them doing $20 an hour tasks, they're not going to be fulfilled. They're going to get bored. 
they're going to look for better opportunities. And if you're not giving people the opportunity to grow, then they most of the time, people who are ambitious, people who have motivation, people who want to be the best version of themselves, well, they're going to go somewhere where they can be that. And that's, that's why I think it's your duty to always look to have people operating within their zone of genius and to be, you know, pushing down those lower cost tasks to people who are within that, that pay range. You've been listening to Commercial Real Estate Leadership.